Hello, my name is Pastor Greg Wolf. Welcome to the Jordan Assembly of God Church Sunday Service Podcast. The series that we are doing is titled Life in Christ. It is currently going through the book of Galatians. If you would like to listen to past podcasts, please go to agjordanmt.com and follow the links. Or you may also search for Jordan AG on Spotify, Google Podcast, or Podbean. I'm glad you are here, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Now, without further introduction, life in Christ. All right, well, let's pray. Let's get started, shall we? Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that we may just have a wonderful time worshiping you and just fellowshipping with one another. May our hearts and minds be open to your word. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. We are in Life in Christ, Part 5, a call to think, a call to listen, but not of earthly things, but to remember what the Spirit of God revealed through Jesus Christ, the light. So a brief recap. Paul greeted with the foundation of the salvation message in his greetings. This, by the way, is in Galatians. So if you're not there already, you can find your way to Galatians. The point of this letter, why are you following another gospel? Making sure that you um, keep this clear, exactly the reason why he was writing this. The message of the law, specifically circumcision, is unto bondage. This law, nobody was able to bear, and that was, and we went through Acts 15, 1 through 21, and that basically um, covered that. There were different factions at this point in time, and three are brought out specifically in this letter based on context. You had the circumcision faction, you must be circumcised to be a part of God's family. You have the assimilationists, which means that they were uh, basically Gentiles, um, need to follow Jewish customs and assimilate into, into the Jewish community. And then you also have the legalizers. Doing what God commands earns them greater status with God. So these are all different aspects that are being addressed, and each faction kind of had their own little different take on what people in general needed to be doing, and especially us as Gentiles needed to be doing. So are we supposed to obey God? Yes, but not as a set of checkboxes, rather by listening and adhering to his word. Strict adherence to a set of laws requires no relationship sets forth no reason to listen, already know the law. Basically, when you have a checkbox, you don't have to pray, you don't have to seek, you don't have to look for, you already know what you're going to be doing that day. Okay, well, I don't need to be, well, I don't need to be using uh, foul language and I don't need to be, you know, getting angry or I don't need to be doing this. And you just check it off in the day and then you go home, you go to bed, you look at all this, you know, check boxes and you hope that you have more boxes checked than are not checked and, and you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and that's kind of how that whole trying to do that strict adherence to the law but God says, come follow after me. In Luke chapter 6, 46 through 49, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? 
Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was foundation, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great please note that that the the storm hit no matter what that was that did not go away but it was the fact that they were that this one was that because he listened and he did or she listened and did that that house stood because it was founded upon it wasn't based on situation. It was based on God. It was founded upon Jesus. And because of that, you had something solid. And the point of this is strict adherence to what is written, okay? Knowing what is written is great. But f that's not the reason to obey. Okay, it's not the reason to obey. The reason to obey is because your heart and your mind is wanting to honor God. And God says to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And hey, while you're at it, love your neighbor as yourself. While you're in that process of learning to love God, allowing God's love to love your neighbor. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. Love your neighbor. Do as I say. So Paul deals with this in the book of Galatians, well, a tad bluntly, just a little bluntly. You might think it might be a little bit more than just a little bluntly, but in Galatians chapter 3, looking at verse 1, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, which means, Unwise, unintelligent. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Bewitch means to fascinate by false representation. Which you should, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. So here are people saying you need to follow after the law, follow after the law, and Paul's reminding them that the very law that you're wanting to put yourself under is how people justified themselves in crucifying the very Son of God. The very law that you are putting yourself under is exactly what put Christ on the cross and what Christ died for our forgiveness. This only I want you, in verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's like, I just want to hear, I, ju I just want to know one thing from you right now. How did you come to know Jesus? Did you do it because you heard all these laws and laws and laws, or did you believe in faith? What drew you to God? Verse 3, are you so foolish? He's really hitting it hard. Having begun in the Spirit, 
Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? See, one of the very first things that we need to understand is that we really don't bring anything to the table here. There's nothing there. We don't bring anything that is really of worth. But yet, still, God finds worth in us. How is that? I have no idea. But God finds worth in us, gave his son to die on the cross so that we, even though we can't bring anything to the table, we have nothing to offer when it comes to this, but yet he says, I love you and I want to have a relationship with you. And the only way for that relationship to happen is for my son to die on the cross for you, that his blood cleanses you from sin so that you might come to get to know. And it's not you working your way to get up to heaven. It's the fact that God picks you up and says, by my son, you are able to be and have a relationship with me. How can you be made perfect by the flesh? We can't be made perfect by the flesh. If we could be made perfect by the flesh, then one person is right and the other person's wrong and this person does this. And we have a whole bunch of finger... Oh, wait, we... We do have a whole bunch of finger pointing going on because people actually kind of have a tendency to look at exactly what they do versus what God did. So the very ones telling you to come under this bondage, did they seriously forget the statements in Isaiah? Isaiah 64, 5 through 7. And please be aware that these are the people that are like, they have access to the law, but in verse 5 of, of Isaiah 64, they have the law, but they've been disobedient. They're not following after. And you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you, speaking God, in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our inequities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. Notice that piece. Who stirs himself up, who gives himself the saying, I need to follow after God. I need to do what needs to be right because I want to honor God. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our inequities. That wall of sin that just kept on going there. So here's the people, they're bringing the law that nobody could bear. And saying, you have to do this in order to become closer to God. And nobody can. In verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 8, it says this, Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O man, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. And then if you go down to do verse 33, hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of the doors of my doors. For whoever finds me, listen to this, whoever finds me 
finds life. What? Where are we? Are we in the New Testament or are we in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament. Forever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. See, the Torah, like I said last Sunday, that all scripture is profitable, right? For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, all scripture is profitable. But it cannot save you. Jesus saves. Where, where does life come from? Listening, following. Where does wisdom come from? Spirit of God. Who is within you? When you confess your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the spirit of God within you is witnessing to your spirit that you are a child of God. You have that identity. Where's the wisdom? It's literally listening. It's hearing and then doing and putting forth that, that footstep and allowing your life to change. Paul continues on in Galatians in verse 5. So in verse 5 of chapter 3, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Paul uses Abraham for the most common reasons given to one thing over another, and that is by some way to prove validity. So if I'm going to prove a point, I'm going to say, well, I heard this is my source. This person has had this college degree, has had this theological background, and this person taught me. And because of that teaching, that is the reason why I believe what they say and what they said. So we can be pretty fairly positive that the people that are actually coming and basically giving these laws and these rules, we can be pretty fairly positive that they were using anything that would grant them validity. Otherwise, why would you listen? And this is also another thing of reason why Paul was setting himself up and understanding so that they understand that this, is, this comes from God. The statement of the gospel comes from God. It does not come from man. It doesn't come from an authority of man. It comes from God. And so he's establishing this. So now Paul uses Abraham, which be, he would be the, the patriarch. He'd be the, the very, the top when it comes to it. And so in verse six, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and this is found in Genesis 12, by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. By faith. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. One book over. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with you, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any one should boast. This puts it and makes it so that I can't look at my life and say, well, I've done this, or I'm too low, I can never be saved. That person is so much better than me, nor can it give that person who is so much better, quote unquote, to look down upon. Because our walk and our relationship with Jesus is all about literally that. It's about me and my personal relationship with God. Then where does everything come into? Where is that when I see a brother or a sister that is needing help? How God has taught me, I can then give love to. You see, you may think when you enter into a situation, you may think, I am not prepared. I am not worthy enough. I can't do this. This is not something that can happen. But the thing about it is, is that you're in that situation. You don't pick up the phone and say, I got to call the pastor. He's got to deal with this. You don't pick up the phone and say, I need to call somebody else that actually does it. You're the one that's actually right there. And believe it or not, God has given you the ability to pick up the sword and stand right there and with love and by your testimony and by the grace of God, you can say, I don't know much, but I do know who saves. I don't know much, but I do know who loves you. I don't know much, but I do know that you can find eternity in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And Paul's looking at the Galatians and he's saying, please, oh, please, oh, please stop trying to add something to that nobody can do anything. Stop trying to burden yourself with the burden of a law that nobody could bear. Because it was for this reason that Christ came and died on the cross that you might be free. Does it give us carte blanche to do whatever we want? No. But it does give us the freedom to know that we don't have a God up there waiting for us to fail. He's not looking for a way for you to actually, oh, yeah, that's another one for Greg. And that's 20 this month. My word, the month is not even done. How in the world is he going to even make it? It's not God. It's not how he does it. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. The flesh seeks to accomplish and to earn a certain status Look, I always go to church. I always sit in a pew. I always read my Bible. I always pray. I always do all of this. And the flesh likes this because he's like, look at, look at all the stuff that I have done. And God says that has nothing because unless your heart is actually surrendered unto him, it means nothing. Because it's about that. It's about a surrendered heart. 
The Spirit of God seeks to honor God. The Spirit of God acknowledges that there is no other God. Think, where does our salvation come from? Listen, where does our instructions come from? Even when reading the Word of God, is it not the Spirit of God that reveals the truths of the Scripture? Is it not wisdom that cries out? Think, listen, and do. Allow the love of God to be that guide. If it's not loving, don't do it. If it doesn't build up and if it doesn't encourage, why are you doing it? Are there times to be blunt? Yeah, Paul pretty much proved it in verse in chapter 3. He was pretty fairly blunt. But he also gave across the fact that it is Christ who gives is the giver of love. And sometimes you do need to be blunt, but there's a but doing it in love, which means that you care for that person. You don't want to destroy them, you want to see them built up. Loving one another. Now, Greg, that seems pretty very simple. Is it? Try it. I dare you. I triple dog dare you. Because Jesus says, it's not just loving your friends that he's looking for. It's to love your enemies. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for who you are and what you do. I want to thank you for how you minister to our hearts and to our minds. I want to thank you, Lord God, how you walk us through so many things. I pray, Lord God, that as we continue on our day and as we fellowship with one another, that we may take encouragement, that we may allow ourselves to be built up in you, and that, Lord God, we may minister to the light in this community, and this community might know you through Jesus and that we may share you and not worry about all the stuff that we need to share, but just share you to others and to one another. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I had a, I had a situation with a, with a friend of mine, and this person struggled with some interpretations and some sayings. And I'll, I'll move into the kids' area as um as say goodbye to those who have who have joined us on streaming thank you so very much i hope you enjoyed um but in this situation this individual this friend of mine said in one area they learned one thing in another area they learned another thing in another area they learned another thing and they were so very confused about who god was because of all the different teachings that they had learned about in so many different and from some several different aspects they're so very 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 concerned and i you know told the individual you know what i had known but then i looked at them and i said here's the thing it is not a requirement that you agree with the opinions or the viewpoints of every single person that is out there. What is very incredibly important is that you understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And that by, sorry, 
that by Jesus, you can have a relationship with God that will lead into eternity. And that's the most primary important. These opinions and these viewpoints, yeah, okay, they're deep. And yeah, there is certain things. But what is really, truly important, what's really, truly important is that it is Jesus that saves. And it is Jesus through which you are grafted into God. And it is Jesus that makes the difference. And that individual, that friend of mine, looked at me and said, that makes way more sense. And I said, I was, I'm glad. I'm glad. Sometimes we try to make something so overcomplicated. We try to make people understand the way we understand it, and that doesn't happen. They need to understand it the way they need to understand it because it's not your relationship with God that they're going to have. It's their own relationship with God that they're going to have. And it's not going to come out. It's not going to, it may not even look like the, the same way that you think it is. I can't tell you how many times I've gone up to my pastor who's in Oregon. He just gave it just this awesome message. And, and I went up and said, this is what I got. And he said, that was not even the point of any close to my message at all in any way, shape, or form. Oh, okay. <laughs> turns out apparently God was speaking different. Why? Because it turns out God is wanting to speak to you in a fellowship way, but on an individual basis. So just kind of think about that.